Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to today's episode of 219 Green Connect, where we explore topics about the environment and green living in Northwest Indiana. For past show archives, news, and upcoming events, you can check out our website at 219 Green Connect, or join us on Facebook or Twitter. Our ID on both of those is 219 Green Connect. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Sipple, and with me today I have a very special guest. Her name is Harriet Sugarman, and she is the author of How to Talk to Your Kids About Climate Change and has a wonderful website called climatemama.com. And so, Harriet, thanks for spending the time to be with me. i just love for you to tell people, you know, a little bit about, you know, obviously your background, your book, your offerings to help parents talk to their kids, and also about the, the special opportunity that we have to offer a session with you coming up in September of uh, September 4th, I believe is what we decided on. So please, go ahead. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's truly a pleasure to be here with you today and to have this opportunity to share a little bit um, about my book, and uh, I'm excited for the upcoming uh, event, and I hope people can join us there as well. So let me, you know, a little bit about me. Reality Project 
uh, which uh, was established by uh, Mr. Gore in 2006 with the release of his film at that time, uh, An Inconvenient Truth. And I was involved, I was one of the participants in, in the first year of trainings. We did them in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, in these small groups, about 100, 150 people. And that was when it really came, you know, I had this aha moment. He talked about those kind of, you know, what, what's your wake-up call? And to me, it was all of a sudden, well, hey, this climate crisis is real. It's happening now. It's happening to me, my children, all the children out there are impacted by it, and we need to do something about it. And I was uh, living in New Jersey, raising my kids at that time, and it seemed no one that I was talking to, on the, you know, with the other parents on the playground, teachers in my kids' school, my kids were uh, in elementary school, realized the urgency of the crisis we were facing. So I left that training thinking, how am I going to be involved in this? What, what's my place in this? And I started looking for information as a parent. How do I talk to my kids about the climate crisis? And I couldn't really find anything. There wasn't a lot out there. Um, or I had to really search, and it wasn't right what I was looking for. So I decided that what I was going to do, you know, we were, we were to come back to our community after this training and, and, and take acts of leadership. I was going to set up um, an organization for parents or for caregivers for people that uh, worked with kids on how would we talk to our kids, how would we activate our kids, how would we become activated. And, and so I, that's when I established Climate Mama. Um, we've certainly morphed and changed a lot over the years from what we were initially. Uh, so, and then... Ten years later, in 2019, I decided, because I established that in 20, uh, 2009, a couple years after the training, I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of put together what I had learned, and I wrote my book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Climate Change, Turning Inks into Action. The book came out in the uh, summer of 2020, and I have been involved in advancing and growing the international parent um, movement. We have a couple of um, uh, networks. Our Kids Climate is the one I'm working with, and then Parents for Future Global. Both of those grew out of the rise of the youth movement. So uh, that, in a nutshell, is how I have sort of become uh, wearing this hat, uh, it, so to speak, of, of this uh, parent voice uh, in the climate movement. I'm also a professor. I teach uh, world sustainability and uh, called Climate Change in Society uh, at a college in New Jersey, and I you know, work broadly in a lot of different uh, ways on helping people understand the reality of the climate crisis and then activating people to be involved in working on solutions and working on it because actually, right, I mean, well, this is a terrible emergency and we need to give space to understanding that. It also is an amazing opportunity to actually be involved in shaping the future and now for all of us uh, in a way that I don't think uh, humanity has had uh, or will have. <laughs> Again, so we're at, alive at a, at a time that it really matters what we do, what we say, how we act on this. Thank you. Wow, that was such a juicy intro and you've left me with <laughs> my neurons are firing and there's so much I want to respond to, but knowing we have you know, a short window, I just want to quickly say I also majored in economics. I vividly remember that first gathering in Rio, not from being there you know, in person, but I actually studied 
studied economics of sustainability at University of Michigan back in the 80s, and that's I was looking at that like who is taking care of this environmental economics thing because the Earth there are a lot of externalities that are not being accounted for in the present economic model. So I'm just so glad that you're on a similar path, and I'm curious like what you know what informed your future work about that, and then you know that. The fact that you're teaching in Jersey, I'm just excited that I got off a call right before this one with um, the current director of Green Team Academy, who is leading an international climate action challenge with forming teams that starts on August 31st. I did a previous podcast with her. I will be leading a Northwest Indiana team, and I'm hoping to use our event that we do together on Labor Day weekend to kick that off and get some interest uh, over in the South Bend area as well. So I'd love to just, you know, see what dotted lines we could, we could connect or let's use a, a nature metaphor cross-pollination, if you will. I tend to name drop a lot during these podcasts so that I can tag people on social media and tell them they have to listen now. <laughs> and then the other, the other New Jersey connection that I introduced to Green Team Academy is uh, Youth Time Bank uh, Resource Network. So it's ytbrn.org. Jerome Scriptunas is the executive director of that organization, lives in New Jersey, and here's a way to tie this all in, in a neat bow, and then I'll pass it back to you. He sent me at the beginning of this year a little free library when I told him that I was trying to mimic Iris, our mutual connection from Earth Charter Indiana. She started or she participated in a program down there to help people set up little free climate libraries. So where they could house books about climate. And when I had my christening of my climate library a few months ago, she gifted me with a copy of your book, which is when we first became familiar with your work and why your name was familiar. So that's just so great. Uh, so the book, I'll admit, I, I was like, okay, I'm not a parent. Let me put this out in the little free library. So it quickly walked away, and I can't get my hands on it right now. <laughs> but what can parents expect, you know, from that book? What kinds of things are covered without giving away, you know, any plot spoilers? But are there any general tips that you could talk about? No, absolutely. It's so fun to have all these many points of connection, Kathy. Thank you. That's uh, amazing. I think, I, you know, just yeah, broadly, I think, so many of us that working on climate um, are connected in different ways, and that's really exciting. Um, but also, clearly, we need to grow the movement too, so that we have many more people. That when we do those points of connection, we don't know them. But so there's no uh, opportunity to spoil any plot. This is a you know a, a book that's open and uh, available for everyone. You certainly don't have to be a parent to read it. I think it's you know good for anyone who wants to understand. Uh, I go through both. Um, you know, a little bit about the science, the politics, um, the history of our understanding and of how the climate crisis has evolved, how we've gotten to the point that we're at. I talk about the importance of feeling the emotions that we have, too, when we really, when we, when our eyes are open to the reality of how serious the situation is, um, it's, it's terribly sad, right? It's something we need to grieve to allow ourselves to feel those feelings to understand um, this is not something we're going to solve in our lifetime, right? We're the planet, it, you know, this is a gen isn't a generational thing. This is something that uh, it, it will be over millennia. You know, the planet changes at a different time and space and 
beat than we do as individuals, and yet we're seeing these rapid changes of the planet in our own lifetime, which has never happened before, which is why science tells us, you know, we have created these changes on our planet and, and made this, um, uh, this crisis reach the point that it's at. But what science also tells us is that we can slow it down, right? We have that ability, and so that creates many opportunities. So I think for us, as parents, as, as individuals, understanding that there's a role that each of us can play. And, and again, I, you know, I get asked often, and I address this in the book too, you know, what are just, I'm a busy working person, parent, I'm doing all these, you know, I'm wearing many, many hats. Tell me those three things that I can do that will, you know, that, I, that will move this faster, that I can help do it. And, and I, you know, step back and say, really have to recognize too, right, this is, this is forever. So, and that's also hard for our children to understand that because their lives are, are short, you know, things happen, they get solved and resolved, and I've spoken to many parents actually who tell me their kids are angry with them because once they learn about the climate crisis, they expect their, their parents, their caregiver to fix it. And, and we can't fix it, but we can definitely slow it down and we can give our planet that opportunity and ability to heal. And I know that uh, you and I have spoken before about permaculture, about the planet, how quickly, you know, she can just um, change herself. And, and so we need to allow that space for uh, the planet to do that. But for us, and, and as a reminder for our children, what are you passionate about? What do you feel? What, what makes you happy? Whatever that is, we can use that passion. We can use that ability as part of our way forward as long as we're looking at it through the lens of the climate crisis. So understanding this exists, what role can we play in helping that move forward? So I talk about those things in the book. I break it down uh, by different age groups. You know, I think the most important things to remember, and this is our motto with Climate Mama since, um, I, since we founded the organization, is, uh, and these are things that everyone probably got taught by their parents or teaching their kids, or, you know, is we tell the truth that actions speak louder than words and not to be afraid. And when that comes to climate, right, um, that can't sell that last one. Not being afraid can be a really hard one to pass. But telling the truth, so that whether your 3-year-old is asking you the truth or your 13-year-old or your 33-year-old, we can tell the truth, but it will be, you know, explained in a different way if you're talking to a 13-year-old or you're talking to a 3-year-old. So I think we have to be honest, right? This isn't something mommy and daddy can fix overnight, but it's something that so many people are working on the world over, and that's something to reassure our children. There are many young people of all ages involved in this uh, education about the climate crisis and activation about the climate crisis and empowerment about the climate crisis, so we can point to examples of young people, so we help them have that self-efficacy to develop that they feel they can be part of the solution.
doing at Prairie Winds Nature Farm uh, Labor Day weekend. We seem to have identified, maybe at least for Earth Charter Indiana, a new population of people that aren't currently being looked at. There was the Greta, you know, the people maybe under 18-ish, and then at least in a lot of the things that I'm participating in these days, like elder climate action, now that I'm of the silver hair, you know, they tend to be people who are closer to retirement or have more time to make this a focus. And then those, you know, parents, those, the people in the middle, they're busy, you know, so I think that you are fulfilling that niche and helping them understand how to talk to their kids and maybe some other tips that come along just with self-care. These are some of the things that we're going to be talking about in this climate activist training September 2nd through 4th. So if you're listening to this after September 2022, don't despair. I just want to remind you that you can go to climatemama.com and you can get the book. You can find out about um, you know, service offerings from Harriet. She offers you know different courses and trainings and things like that for big corporations on down to rather small events like this, which we really appreciate your, your generosity. Um, but can you say a little bit about how you've worked with big big companies? I'm just so curious. Um, you know, it's great to hear they're in alignment with this, but tell me a little bit what it looks like when you partner with somebody, you know, one of your bigger clients. Yeah, you know, uh, it looks different for each um, organization, but oftentimes we're brought in um, to hold a workshop for, and it's, so it's a, a, a training and offering for for their staff because they understand too that you know it's many organizations that already have a sustainability um, a department or organization, and oftentimes that's how we come in sort of through that window. And it's a broad offering, talking about books, talking about how to talk to your kids, uh, and then it can move on from there where we get more specific. Um, with certain leadership in the company because, again, once there is that open understanding and, and what we found, too, is that, you know, many people, corporations are made up of people, right? And they're those same people, whether they have nieces and nephews or, you know, they're worried about what's happening in the future and more and more, right? We can't hide from the reality of the climate crisis. Nobody's trying to deny that it isn't here anymore, right? We're looking, you know, this past summer, these terrible droughts and in Europe, the fires we have on and off all across our own country, the water crisis that we're experiencing on the West Coast, you know, the decline of the Colorado system that where most of us in the country eat, you know, food that relies on that and that water. You know, last year we saw the first federal, you know, uh, uh, clamping down on on withdrawals from the uh, the Colorado water system. More are in line for this year, uh, all across our country, right, everybody anecdotally feels the changes, right, the, warm, the winters are warmer, the uh, season, you know, the summer season is expanding, so all of those things, um, everyone, you're, you're feeling it, and so the opportunity of a corporation to be able to address that for their staff, to help people understand, you know, the basics, if, you know, if, they, if they're just training them in that, how do then we become involved um, through the company? Or outside, a lot of companies have, uh, you know, support community engagement for their employees and provide that. And so, can that be around some kind of sustainability project or program? So, you know, we work at, you know, different levels up uh, and, and, you know, to, to more specifics. But starting off with this broader conversation, uh, what's the climate crisis all about? 
how do we how do we talk to our neighbors about it? How do we talk internally about it? What are we doing inside? And then, you know, from my perspective, the hope is that depending what that company is doing, that hopefully after we've worked with some of these people inside, they figure out ways because you know that when you're working for that company. What is it that that company can do better? Um, actually, an activation to help address the climate crisis, not just you know, when people go home and uh, work outside, but is there a way some of these companies can be more um, direct, more intentional about their role? So that, you know, from our perspective is what we're hoping to achieve. That might not be what the company has online uh, or in mind when they're bringing it in, but hopefully, you know, again, it, it allows more voice from within the company to help say and look at the different roles that they're playing inside and how can they be mindful uh, of addressing the climate crisis and sustainability from within and then also from the outside work that that company does. Fantastic. That's really heartening to hear that companies are embracing this and I, I hope some local companies here might, might take you up on this offering. Uh, I think I mentioned to you before we, we did this talk that I'm working on a regional climate action plan right now with our regional planning commission. So it's three counties and we did a uh, regional greenhouse gas inventory, the first regional inventory in Indiana last year. We had uh, six interns that helped us get that done. And it wasn't a huge surprise since we have so much heavy industry here in northwest Indiana at the south end of uh, Lake Michigan, a lot of steel mills, that industrial energy was, I want to say, it was definitely upwards of 80% of our greenhouse gas emissions and closer to 85%, I want to say it was like 83, 84%. And so the Regional Planning Commission, you know, their stakeholders are really the municipalities, the municipal leaders. They are not industry. So now it's become this elephant in the living room that we can really see, and yet the Planning Commission doesn't have direct, you know, governance over that. So what I'm really grateful about is some of those industry stakeholders are participating in our regional climate action planning meetings lately. We just had our third meeting of at least four probably more than that, because being regional, it does take a little bit more work than the cycle, you know, laid out. But we had people from our local utility company. We had uh, people attend from one of our large, you know, steel mills. And I, I don't know yet what role they're planning, but I am hearing that they are doing, as you say, having internal, you know, sustainability departments, and they're looking at this. So I would just think this would bring a whole other, you know, program that acknowledges they are both people who work somewhere, and that I, I don't want to deny, they they bring a lot of, you know, I was an economics major, so were you, you know, they, they pay for a lot of stuff that happens in our region, and it's not like we use all of that steel here in our area, it goes, you know, to make sometimes, you know, the uh, arms for wind turbines, or, you know, really good things, but it's, it's a messy business, and um, so we're looking at it, right, so these people are employees, they're job creators, but they're also many times parents, you know, so I love that your programs hit the sweet spot to really address the humanity, you know. Yeah, that's, that's special, wonderful work that you're doing because we need to understand who all the stakeholders are, we need to bring people together in community to have those conversations, and they're complicated and difficult conversations sometimes, and, you know, steel and cement, it, those two industries, they rely on fossil fuels as a primary source of, of creating what they're doing, and it isn't easy to switch from that. And, you know, the world over, steel industries are trying to figure that out. But so, again, 
and just having all those people at the table together and, you know, understanding, you know, what needs to be done, but then the process and how to do it, it it's complicated. So there might be steps along the way. And, and you're right, there are economic drivers and engines of employee um, creation and uh, part of the community, too, so that you're able to facilitate and bring those people uh, and groups together uh, and, you know, for the municipality, for the county, for the uh, region, that's really wonderful, and it's really important uh, to facilitate those kind of conversations. Well, thank you. I think we're just so lucky that you said yes to this opportunity, and really grateful that you said yes, too, to making this part of the uh, conversation something that would be more accessible, whether you're just listening now to the podcast, or there'll be a limited opportunity for additional people to join us via Zoom during this uh, weekend event. So you can find out more in the show notes. We'll have details about the exact you know time for that, but it will be on Sunday, September 4th, 2022nd in the morning. And beyond that, you'll just have to check the notes for details. But um, this is really cool. And I, I want to give a shout-out to, to, I think it was the last podcast I did, was with a group here in Indiana called Confront the Climate Crisis. And they're a group of mostly high schoolers, but I think some junior high-level uh, youth as well. And it's just amazing how they're banding together and structuring themselves. So I, I love that we have different people coming in different, you know, layers, different geographies, different ages, and I think if we all just keep working together, sharing the notes and building an interconnected network, that would be really cool. So I'll just put in a plug for the uh, session that I'm going to be doing on that weekend is on something I call social, uh, social climate, and it speaks to social permaculture. I am a permaculture student, and I have some permaculture gardens going on in my yard, but I, I think it's so much more pertinent, at least for me, and what is mine to do, is to introduce the people systems that allow us to connect, to make decisions together, and to find a common aim. You know, so just going through that process of doing the greenhouse gas inventory, getting a baseline, deciding who can do what, you know, who's missing from the table, it, it's been an interesting process. So that'll be a little bit about what I'm contributing. If this sounds interesting, you can also check the show notes to find out how to sign up for this. Or I should have brought up Prairie Winds uh, website. You can Google Prairie Winds uh, Nature Farm. They are in Lakeville, Indiana, but their website is prairiewinds—that's plural—naturefarm.com. And right now, if you're listening to this in August of 2022, you'll see the sign-up registration form right on their homepage. And I think it's going to be really, really great. Uh, we're bringing in a lot of components that I have not seen anywhere else in Indiana or even in the Midwest for people who are working on climate. So I know we're almost out of time, but is there anything else you'd like to say, Harry, before we sign off? Yeah, no, thank you so much, Kathy, for inviting me on to your show. And I think you summed it up really well. This is an intergenerational forever um, involvement in building community and having people that we can talk to about the realities that we face, the successes that we have, setbacks we'll have, because we'll have those too, I think is really important. So it sounds like you're doing that in Indiana through all the various groups um, uh, that are working on this. I look forward to the workshop weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, and uh, to having more conversations with you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much once again for being with us. And uh, you have been listening to another episode of 219 Green Connect. I'm your host, Kathy Sipple, and my guest today has been Harriet Sugarman. You can 
find out more about her and her book at climatemama.com. And please go to 219greenconnect.com to find out, you know, what the past show archives are. Or you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash 219greenconnect to find us there. And again, already mentioned, it should be streaming on all the regular podcast services. So that's all we have time for today.